Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello everyone, what is up? Welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct, you guys. If you are new here, hi, my name is Savannah and I'm your host of Killer Instinct. Before we get started, make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button, that way you never miss an episode. We post weekly on the podcast every Wednesday and then again every Thursday on YouTube and you are not going to want to miss it. Now, last week I mentioned to you guys that we have merch coming and I just want to remind you guys, the merch will be live on July 20th and you will be able to find the link to the merch on my Instagram. I'm going to be posting some pictures of it. If you're watching me on YouTube right now, you will notice that I'm wearing a bright green sweatshirt and I told you guys that I was going to be wearing different pieces from the collection so you guys can kind of see the different colors that we have going on. I decided to go with the green today because it matches my nails and I wanted you guys to see how vibrant this color really is. It's not even doing justice on camera. It is a bright, bright green and I absolutely love it. So all of the information on the merch will be on the Killer Instinct Instagram. And again, that is just a Killer Instinct podcast on Instagram. So with that being said, let's move on to the reason we are all here today, which is to talk about this case. Now, today's case is a terribly, terribly tragic one. It is really upsetting. It makes you really frustrated because you can't believe that it had to get to this point. And this case in particular had a lot of controversy and points of contention surrounding it and surrounding motives and what drives a person to do this. And we are going to get into all of that today. And I'm very interested to see where you guys stand on this case. So today we are talking about the case of Daniel Petrick, and in order to understand this case, we really have to understand the family dynamic. So let's start there. So at the top of the Petrick family tree, you had Susan and Mark Petrick. Susan was born on September 9th, 1964 in Maryland, and she went to college at Valley Forge Christian College in Pennsylvania. She ended up moving to Wellington, Ohio in 2003 with her husband, Mark, and Wellington is located not too far from Cleveland, Ohio. Wellington is one of 18 townships in Lorraine County, and when Susan and Mark moved there in 2003, the population was around 6,000 people. 
And overall, Wellington is known as being a quiet Midwestern town. Now, Mark was actually Pentecostal, which is a subset of the Christian religion. And Mark was a minister, and him and Susan worked at multiple churches throughout Ohio together before ultimately ending up at the New Life Assembly of God Church located in Wellington. And Mark was actually the head minister of that church. Religion was a very, very important part of Susan and Mark's lives, and they would bring their children to church with them, and Susan would assist Mark in any way that she could, and the basis of everything they did was their religion. It was extremely important to them. Now, Susan and Mark had three children in total. They had their two older daughters, Heidi and Holly, and then their third child was a boy named Daniel, who they called Danny. Now, Danny was born on August 24th, 1991, and growing up, Danny was described as a very athletic guy. He loved playing football. He was a defensive linebacker in middle school and going into high school, and he was also known for being a very goofy and fun-loving kid. Danny was said to have a great relationship with his parents and was quote-unquote a normal and happy teenager. And he was described by his classmates as someone who was fun to be around. He was very, very active in his church, and I'm sure that derived from his parents' involvement. However, he loved going to church with his parents, and he was very enthusiastic about religion, very devoted. Now, when it comes to his academics, Danny wasn't neither here nor there. He wasn't the straight-A student, but he wasn't failing classes by any means. He was a very average student in school, and again, just seemed like a very typical boy-next-door kind of guy. Now, not long before October of 2007, which is when this case took place, Danny got into a snowboarding accident when he was a teenager. Now, the accident actually left Danny with a pretty severe spine injury. Now, spine injuries are very dangerous and can leave you paralyzed. However, Danny was lucky enough where his spine was not injured to the point where he was paralyzed. However, doctors told him that if he were to ever get into any sort of physical accident again, that is what the result would be. So because of that, doctors told Danny that his football playing days were over. And as you can imagine, this was devastating to hear because throughout Danny's life, he was so incredibly active. He loved sports and especially football. And now hearing that that had to be taken away was heartbreaking for him. Now, the spine injury actually caused Danny to develop a pretty severe staph infection as well. So not only did he have the spinal injury, but now he had the staph infection. And doctors told Danny that in order for him to heal, he would basically have to halt all physical activity for a year. Now, once that year was over, he still wasn't going to be able to be as active as he once was. However, for that year, he was very, very limited in what he was able to do. Sports were completely off the table. Running, any sort of cardio was completely off the table. 
And while Danny and his family were obviously very grateful that the injury wasn't far worse than what it could have been, this was very crushing to Danny. He was in his mid-teens when this snowboarding accident occurred, and his entire life was turned upside down. So because of this, Danny needed to now find new ways to stay occupied and be entertained, and he really turned to video games. Now, Danny and Mark, Danny's father, would often play video games together. It was something that they did to kind of bond with each other, and they played a lot of sports-related games. One of the games that Danny liked to play with his dad was Madden, and I know since having a younger brother, Madden is a football video game. And Danny and Mark played that specific game a lot. They also played other games that revolved around sports, but that's really all it was. Now, after Danny had his accident, his sports-related video games could only keep him occupied for so long, so he wanted a new variety of games in his collection that he could play. And he started leaning more towards the games like Halo and Call of Duty. Now, if you have no idea, Halo and Call of Duty are more violent than your regular sports video games that Danny was playing with his dad. Now, Halo has several different variations of the game, and it initially came out in 2001. Now, Halo plays from the perspective of the shooter, so whoever is playing the game, they are playing as the shooter. Call of Duty is very similar. Whoever is playing the game, you are playing as the shooter. And I'm not saying any of this to judge the games in any way or saying it is a good or bad thing at all. I am just giving you the basis in general, very vague facts as I know them. So with that being said, it is safe to say that once Danny got stripped away of any physical activity, he definitely became depressed. And I don't think anyone would argue that. It was said that Danny would play these video games for days at a time without getting any sleep and only getting up to take a bathroom break, and that was it. It was also said that, you know, the fun-loving guy that everyone knew and loved slowly just turned into a much darker version of himself. Now, Danny's parents, Susan and Mark, they saw the changes that were happening in their son, and it worried them. As his parents, they were worried that he was digging himself into a hole that he wouldn't be able to get out of. And along with that, they were also worried about the nature of the games that Danny was playing and how violent they were, and he was just consuming this violence on a day-to-day -day basis. And as his parents, they felt the responsibility that they had to interject and they had to do something about this before it got to the point of no return, whatever that would have been. But they just felt like they needed to help Danny. And the best way that they felt like they could help Danny is by pulling the video games away. Now, the game Halo was coming out with their Halo 3 game, and it had a release date of September 25th, 2007. Now, at the time, Danny was 16 years old. This isn't far after the accident happened. He was still on his healing journey, and he expressed to his parents that he was looking forward to being able to get the game. Now, when Danny's parents heard that there was a new version of this game coming out, that is when they told Danny that they were not going to allow him to get the game. Now, Danny is living at home. He's living with his parents. He's 16 years old, and he, for all things considered, has to abide by their rules because it's their house, their house, their rules, they're his parents. But this infuriated Danny. 
Danny's life at this point was video games. That's all he did. As I mentioned earlier, he would play days at a time. So when his parents told him that he wasn't allowed to go out and get the game, it drove him into a fit of rage. Now, luckily for Danny, he was 16 years old and he could drive. Now, shortly after the Halo 3 game was released, Danny waited one night until his parents went to sleep before exiting through his bedroom window and sneaking out of the house, getting in his car, driving to the video game store and purchasing the game. Now, what Danny didn't realize is when he got back to the house and came back in through his bedroom window, his mother, Susan, was waiting in his bedroom. Now, Danny came right out and told his mom that he drove to the video game store and purchased the game, and Susan and Mike collectively decided that they were going to take the game away from him. So Mark took the game from Danny and placed it in the safe that Mark had kept in his room. Now, what was also sitting in this safe was Mark's handgun. Now, due to his parents taking this video game away, Danny was absolutely furious, but he had no way of getting the game back. He did not know the combination to the safe, so he was pretty much SOL on this. But over time, his anger grew more and more intense, and that is what leads us to October 20th of 2007. Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? Well, apartments.com's instant alert feature works exactly that way. Instead of scanning rental listings a million times a day, simply set and forget your search to whatever you're looking for in a place and let apartments.com do the rest. From pet-friendly apartments to balconies to in-unit ACs, apartments.com's powerful search tools let you know when the perfect combination of features you're seeking is listed. So you don't have to power through rental descriptions one by one. With more rental listings than anywhere else, apartments Apartments.com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you. Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Now, on the night of October 20th of 2007, Danny's older sister Heidi and Heidi's husband Andrew had plans to go over to Mark and Susan's house to watch a baseball game that night. The plan was that Heidi and Andrew were going to get to the house at around 9 p.m. However, they unexpectedly showed up about two hours earlier at 7 p.m. Now, when Andrew and Heidi pulled up to the house, they were surprised at the fact that Danny had walked out of the house and shut the front door behind him. He then looked at Heidi and Andrew and told them that they couldn't go inside because Mark and Susan were fighting. So they're all standing on the front porch of the house and Danny is trying to distract them saying, mom and dad are arguing, you don't wanna go inside right now, let's just wait out here, whatnot. But Heidi and Andrew could hear some strange noises going on inside of the house. So after a couple minutes of Danny trying to distract them, Andrew then pushed past Danny and walked into the house, which entered right into the living room and saw Mark and Susan who had both been shot and were lying in a pool of blood. Now, immediately, Andrew looked at Heidi and told her not to come in the house because he didn't want her to see her own parents like that. However, Andrew did instruct Heidi to call 911. So Heidi starts dialing 911, but Danny, on the other hand, decides 
to get into the family minivan and drive off. So you have Heidi and Andrew who are now seeing the horrific scene that has taken place at their parents' home. And Danny, the younger brother, just gets in the car and drives away. However, he did not drive away empty-handed. Danny made sure to have his Halo 3 video game sitting in the passenger seat with him when he drove off. Now, when Heidi got on the phone with 911, she told the operator, quote, my mom is shot, my dad is shot, and my brother's here. My brother said, don't come in, don't come in, end quote. And obviously that is just a small excerpt of the 911 call, but that is how she began it. Now you might be wondering where the heck Danny was going or what he was doing, what his plan was. Well, like I said, Danny got into the family minivan with the Halo 3 game in the passenger seat and drove off. And when Danny drove off, he was driving towards one of his friend's houses because him and his friend had plans to play Halo 3. So despite the fact that both of his parents have been shot, Danny decides it's a good idea to get in the car, drive away, and go play his video game. Now, fortunately, Danny did not make it to his friend's house. He was stopped by police on the way and arrested immediately. Now, while he was being apprehended by police, he continuously was telling police that Mark, his own father, had shot Susan. He kept saying over and over again, my dad shot my mom, my dad shot my mom. Why would my dad shoot my mom? So police took him in to the station for interrogation and were able to get his side of the story. Danny told police that on the night of October 20th, he had asked his parents if it was okay if he were to go to the movies with his friends that night. He said for whatever reason, this started an argument between Mark and Susan. He said that he heard Mark screaming at Susan, Susan screaming back at Mark, and Danny said that while the argument was going on, he was sitting in his bedroom. And Danny said the argument between his parents was taking place in the living room of the house and Danny was sitting in his bedroom, but the screaming was so loud that he could hear it from the living room. Danny said that after some screaming, he ended up hearing his father walk into the master bedroom, which is where the safe was. He said that after he heard him walk to the master, he then heard his dad walk back towards the living room and Danny decided to follow his dad out there. He said in that moment, he watched as Mark murdered his mother in cold blood before then turning around and pointing the gun at Danny. Danny said that Mark told him that he was sorry before then taking the gun, putting it to himself and pulling the trigger. So basically what Danny is saying is that he just witnessed a murder-suicide conducted by his father. So that was Danny's story, but something that authorities noticed right away was Danny's lack of emotion. Now we've talked before that everyone grieves differently, everyone processes things differently, we all get that, but for someone who just witnessed as horrific of an act as Danny is describing, he just had a very unbothered attitude about the whole thing. Now the handgun that was used in this, the murder weapon, was found on the coffee table in the living room and police were able to obviously collect the gun and they had asked Danny if when they did testing on that gun, 
would they find his fingerprints? And Danny said that they would find his fingerprints, but only because after Mark shot himself, Danny wasn't convinced that Mark had actually died. He thought that Mark was actually still alive. And in order for Mark not to grab the gun and hurt himself any further, Danny decided to pick the gun up and place it on the coffee table. Now that explanation right there makes Danny's story sound even worse because why, if you thought your father was still alive, instead of calling for help, would you get in the car and drive away with your video game? Now, police are not stupid and it did not take them very long to put the pieces together and start to realize that Danny's story just does not make sense. Mark and Susan had an incredible relationship. They loved each other dearly and anyone who knew them said that they were pretty much the epitome of relationship and marriage goals. Mark never showed any signs of rage or suicidal thoughts or behavior. But at first, all police had to work off of was this story that Danny was feeding them. But what Danny didn't know at that time is there was actually another person who was going to be able to tell police the real story about what happened on October 20th, 2007. And that would be his father, Mark Petrick, because Mark was not dead. He actually survived the gunshot and we're gonna talk about everything that he had to say about what actually happened that night. So yes, you heard me right. Like I said, Mark miraculously survived the attack. Mark suffered a gunshot wound to his head and was in a coma for two weeks. He stayed in the hospital for about 30 days and underwent five surgeries, including reconstructive surgeries. There is actual video footage of Mark being in the hospital. He's unable to speak. However, authorities met him at the hospital and asked him to either nod his head yes or shake his head no to the following questions, one of which being, was Danny the person who shot you? And Mark nodded his head, yes. Now, once Mark was actually able to speak and communicate again, which the fact that he was even able to do that at all is incredible. But when he was able to regain that ability, he was able to tell police exactly what happened that night. According to Mark, he said that him and Susan were sitting in the living room watching TV. Susan was sitting in the chair in the living room and Mark was sitting on the couch. Mark said that shortly before 7 p.m., Danny came out from the hallway and asked his parents to close his eyes because he told them that he had a surprise for them. Now, when Danny told them this, Mark said that this was very unlike him. He never brought them things or had surprises for them or anything, but they were trying to give Danny the benefit of the doubt. They thought that it was possible that Danny was going to either apologize for his rage and his anger over the whole video game nonsense. They thought it was possible that maybe he just got his parents something nice. And so they both looked at each other for a minute before closing their eyes. 
Once their eyes were closed, Danny then walked behind the couch and shot his father in the back of the head before then turning the gun on Susan and shot at her four times, hitting her three out of those four. Now, while Susan died almost instantly, Mark, on the other hand, obviously survived. Mark said that after he was shot, he felt his entire face go numb and felt blood pouring out from his head. Mark said that Danny then walked back around the couch to face Mark and kept handing him the handgun that he had just used to shoot both of them. Mark said in that moment, even though everything was obviously such a blur, he said that he knew in that moment that Danny was going to try and frame him for this. He said that while Danny kept trying to put the gun in his lap, Mark would position his body away from Danny the best he could and wouldn't take the gun. Now, Mark said that Danny attempted to do this several times before ultimately there was a knock on the door and that knock was Heidi and Andrew. Now again, Heidi and Andrew weren't supposed to come over until 9 p.m. two hours later. So the fact that they showed up at 7 p.m. was honestly a blessing in disguise because had they waited any longer, had they come at 9 p.m., Mark probably wouldn't have survived. Now, Mark said that when Heidi knocked on the door, he saw that Andrew got spooked for a little bit because he wasn't expecting anyone to show up and then ultimately dropped the gun on the table before running out the door. Now, as you can imagine for Mark, there were really no words to express how he was feeling mentally at that time. He had lost his wife and almost lost his own life because of his son. And Mark said that he had a lot of anger towards Danny at first. In the very beginning, he said that he even wanted to go as far as killing him one point. However, after praying many, many times, he was ultimately able to find grace and forgiveness for Danny. However, the law, on the other hand, did not. Now, Danny's trial started on December 15th, 2008, and it lasted two days, ending December 17th. Now, the prosecution stated that Danny was a meticulous, heartless murderer who tried to kill his parents over a video game and then tried to blame his father for his own actions. They argued that Danny planned this crime as he thought that his sister wouldn't have been at the house until 9 p.m., which would have given him the time that he wanted to go over to his friend's house and play Halo 3. Danny even admitted to a psychologist after he was arrested that he had been planning this murder for a whole week. Now, the defense in this case actually, believe it or not, pled insanity. They said that Danny had a video game addiction, which was a psychiatric condition, now, in all of the cases that we have covered on Killer Instinct and all the true crime things that I have seen that I'm sure you have seen as well, I've never heard a video game addiction being considered as a psychiatric condition. However, that is what the defense argued. They said that due to Danny's spinal injury, he was more susceptible to being influenced by the game that he was playing and the violence in it. They argued that he had been playing these games for so long that he wasn't able to differentiate between what was real and what was fake. Now, like I mentioned in the beginning, there has been a lot of contention around this case when it comes to this whole video game addiction 
And that point of contention has been caused by the fact of whether or not these violent video games are the cause of this murderous behavior. Now, the reason that this has sparked the controversy it has is because law enforcement, some law enforcement, as well as several journalists, have blamed the contents in these games as what drove Danny to kill. However, the general public very much disagrees with this. I have seen a boatload of comments about this case saying that it's not what goes on in the video game that drove Danny to kill. It was his pre-existing depression. That was the underlying factor of it all is the depression that he had from having his life turned upside down after this spinal injury. And then that depression led to his fixation and his obsession for the video games. And when that was pulled away from him, it is what sparked a trigger. And I think that that is a very, very valid point. Because like I said, I don't know the first thing about video games, but how many people in the world play video games? It's a lot of people. I know a lot of people who play video games. I'm sure you know a lot of people who play video games and they're not out murdering people. Now at the trial, Mark did get up to speak and said that Danny was filled with a lot of regret and that Mark himself forgave Danny. However, regardless of what Mark had to say, Danny was convicted of aggravated murder, attempted aggravated murder, and tampering with evidence. Due to his young age, he was 17 during the trial, he could not get the death penalty, so he was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 23 years, which means Danny will be eligible for parole in the year 2030. So that's in just about eight years and Danny will be 38 years old and have a lot of life left to live. And I feel like that is what is more worrisome in this case. So that is the case of Danny Petrick and Mark Petrick and Susan Petrick. And I am very, very interested to see what you guys have to say about this, where you fall in this whole video game debate, what your thoughts are about Danny being potentially released in just eight years. I'm very interested to hear about all of it. But with that being said, you guys, that is all for me today. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Killer Instinct. If you're new here, hi, my name is Savannah and I'm your host of Killer Instinct. Make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. That way you never miss an episode. We post weekly on the podcast every Wednesday and then again every Thursday as well on YouTube and you're not gonna wanna miss it. I will be back next week with a brand new case for you guys. And until then, stay safe. Bye guys.